you haven't met Tolu and Akeen, you need to. They're a blessing to us from Nigeria. Uh, we're coming international here at Fullness, and uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I just love her voice, don't you? We do have several from our midst out ministering across the world. Uh, Cheryl Ross, as I prayed, is in Greece. Dan is still in Moldova. Is he traveling back, or is he back today? He's on his way back, so pray for safety for him. Um, <clears throat> I believe we serve a God who is the sovereign ruler of the universe. Now, this is very important because it dictates who you are, how you act, how you respond to situations around you. We at times forget this truth, this foundational truth that there is a God and he is in control. He's the one who is at work and he alone has the right to initiate or begin a work. Let me say that again. In a spiritual sense, God alone is the one who has the right to initiate a work. Our God is in control. Now, next week, I'm going to, uh, with fear and trembling, uh, begin a series, a four-week series leading into the election, election called God and Country. Um, I, I hope you'll come um, and pray and maybe bring people. I, I, I'm not going to delve into the politics of the election. I'm going to delve into the sovereignty of God and how God's sovereignty should overrule, override our fear. I'd like to talk about racial reconciliation. I'd like to talk about how God governs and how we participate with him and how prayer changes things. So next week, it's a little frank uh, what I'm planning on saying, so please pray for grace uh, for me. But I, I think we need to hit head up what's going on. Um, I, I, honestly, this morning, I'm not going to, I'm getting worked up about it already, but it really doesn't matter to me if you're Republican or Democrat. Um, I don't know if you know this, but there are going to be both and others in heaven. Um, it's going to—it's sh shocking, I know, but it's going to—it's true. Which means there are overriding things here that we need to uh, examine and look at and embrace. So we'll do that next week, though. God and country. So please be in prayer for me as I continue to pray, and. Um, prepare that in a way that's life-giving and uh, not condemning uh, for all of us, but that we can all seize hold of. But if indeed God is at work, then don't you think it's incumbent upon us to discover where he's at work and join in? To do that, we need to hear from him. How can you know where God is working if you can't hear from God? You understand the premise of this series we're in on hearing God, the voice? God is at work. Jesus says, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Now, somewhere in the church, we got the idea that God must have been working up till when Jesus came, and then he quit. But that's not the case. Jesus is making a continual statement that God is always working. 
I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does. If Jesus could only do what He saw the Father doing, how much more do we need to hear the voice of God so that we can join in? For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things. Yes, to your amazement, He will show Him even greater things than these. Do you know what those greater things, and Jesus, I believe, makes this clear in other points. The greater things than these that Jesus was going to do was us. I mean, you're, you're, you're a miracle. It's a, it's a great thing that he did among his followers that he, he went to the cross, he died, he was resurrected, but then the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus said, greater things are you going to do than I've done. I, I made I had this quote a couple of weeks ago, but Dallas Willard said this, if God doesn't speak today, and I'm not doing this just for Mark Halvin, I'm doing this because I like this quote. As you know, Mark, he loves Dallas Willard. But if God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we could ever do to people is to tell them they could have a personal relationship with God. My premise is this, God still speaks. God still speaks. John 8, 47, Jesus said, He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Over the past couple of weeks, we looked first that God speaks through His Word and that the key to hearing the Word of God is a love relationship with God by the power of the Spirit, that whenever we hear God in His Word, it is an encounter with God. It's not just a mental thing. It's a, it's a literal encounter with the living God. And that our reaction to it should be to respond immediately to do what he's telling us to do. So we hear God through his word. Last week, Scott spoke to us about hearing God through the community, that God speaks in the context of community and that, that it's a community of expectancy. We expect to hear God and discern what he says and that the key is that we are a community of love. So we start with a love relationship with God right, to hear his word. We encounter him. We encounter with each other in expectancy and discernment. And again, it comes back to love. Love God, love others. Today, I want to I examine how God speaks through his spirit. Now, let me just say this. I, again, for some of you, you may come from a more charismatic Pentecostal background. For, for some of you, you may come from a more a traditional non-charismatic background and somewhere in between liturgical, all sorts of settings. I, I, you know, I got it. It's amazing how God has brought us all together here at Fullness. Sometimes I'm afraid that, that when we start to talk about hearing the voice of God by the Spirit of God, we enter like woo-woo land where it becomes so mysterious that we, we have trouble grabbing hold of what are the... I believe there's some fundamental truths here. Theological, fundamental truths that if we'll receive in faith, God says, if you do... I've already done this. If you'll do this, then this will happen. So that you don't have to get into a secret room somewhere and hear magic music and... You know what I mean? Where it gets so, like, out there that you can't connect... Because there's an act of faith here. 
of walking in faith. And that's what Paul is talking about here in the passage that Tolu read to us from Corinthians. It's like breathing. We have crickets. <laughs> you can all silence your cell phones if you want to in this moment of silence. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was listening to my wife breathe the other night as she was sleeping while I was awake for like, it seemed like hours. I couldn't fall asleep Friday night. My mind was going 100 miles an hour. And, and it, it was funny to, to, to hear a person breathe when they're asleep. They have a whole different breathing pattern when you're asleep. And to me, it's remarkable how the body just keeps breathing. You know, how that part of your brain doesn't say, breathe, but now all of you are thinking about breathing, aren't you? You know, you think about it and you breathe, but then there's this part where your just body does it. Because without it, you're dead. But it is the spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty, that gives him understanding. There's this old story about Socrates, and this young man comes to Socrates and asks for wisdom. Socrates takes him out to the ocean, and he takes the young man, and he says, do you want knowledge? And the young man says, yes, I want knowledge. So Socrates dunks him in the water and holds his head underwater. The guy comes up sputtering, and Socrates says, what do you want? He says, I want knowledge. Dunks him down again. Comes up sputtering. What do you want? Knowledge. He does like three or four times. And, and finally he holds him up down long enough where the young man comes up and he says, what do you want? He says, I want air. I want to breathe. And Socrates says to him, when you want knowledge as much as you want air, you'll have it. It's a fascinating study in the Bible that there are two words, one in Hebrew, one in Greek, ruach in Hebrew, pneuma in Greek, that are both translated spirit, but also mean breath. Breath. See, the Spirit of God, when He comes into our lives, He gives us breath. When God created man, he breathed into man. The word is it's ruach, is, according to my understanding. He breathed into man. When the Spirit of God hovered over the deep, it was the breath of God hovering over. And there's a difference between humanity and every other creature on the earth because we're the only ones that God breathed into the breath of life. Not long ago... It's a couple of years. I, I have read this article on CNN about Cheetah. Remember the monkey from the Tarzan movies, uh, the original Tarzan movies? Uh, there was a chimpanzee named Cheetah. And he died at the ripe old age of 80-something. I mean, which was, he lived a long time. And um, the CNN article was interesting because of the way it worded things to try and make it sound like Cheetah was human. Cheetah was known for his ability to stand up and walk like a person, according to his trainer. He was very compassionate. He could tell if I was having a good day or a bad day. He was always trying to get me to laugh if he thought I was having a bad day. He was very in tune to human feelings. He was one of my favorites. She described Cheetah as an outgoing chimp who loved finger painting and watching football and was soothed by Christian music. 
And then she says this. I'm sorry. When he didn't like somebody or something, he, eh, what was going on, he'd pick up some poop and throw it at him. He could get you at 30 feet with bars in between. So somehow we went from, oh, he loved Christian music to he threw poop at you if he didn't like it. You see, I, I don't care what we do. There's a gap between, human, let's pray so, between humanity and all, all other creatures on the planet. It's the breath of God that's been breathed into us. When Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night in John chapter 3, and we have that passage where it talks about being born again, really what Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus is, you were born physically, the breath of God gave, made you human, but unless you're born of the Spirit, you have no life in you. And what he's saying is, until you have the pneuma, the breath of God, the Spirit of God indwelling you, you really don't have spiritual life. How do you want to know God? You have to know it by the Spirit of God. On the day of Pentecost, after the believers had been in the upper room and prayed for God to do what he was going to do, and fire comes down and the Spirit of God anoints them and it fills them, Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost and he preaches a sermon, quotes from the book of Joel, in which he says, In the last days, God says... I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. People, you are those sons and daughters. You are those men and women. These are those last days. The promise is for us. By that, he means the Spirit of God is going to be poured out on all people. And if we're going to live the Christian life as God has called us to live the Christian life, then we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. We have to. It is like breathing. Breathe anything else. And spiritually, you will not progress in the way that God wants you to progress. This, what I'm going to share with you, I believe is fundamental, it's foundational, and yet if I can ever get my hands around it, it'll change my life. Same with you. Because we live in a world that is constantly saying, depend on yourself. Use your own wisdom. If you don't have enough, get trained better. Learn more. Try harder. You can make it. And I'm all for discipline, and I'm all for trying. But let me tell you, if that's your reliance, you're going to die. The only way we're going to make it is by the power of God, the breath of God, breathed in every moment of every day. Because the enemy is right around the corner trying to lie to you about other stuff. Okay, so here we go. How does this happen? Number one. Receive God's wisdom. Receive God's wisdom. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 and following says this. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So what Paul is saying right here, and I'm going to pause in each of these passages, he says, we speak a wisdom to the mature. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, I'm not mature. Mature here means if you know Jesus, 
you're of the mature. I mean, it's, a, it's not like you've, those who have super spiritual. He's saying if you have Christ, you believe in the cross of Christ, you've received the blood of Jesus Christ, you are those who are mature. And the reason he's saying this, I, I, I don't have time to get into all this because I already preached 1 Corinthians several years ago. Go get that whole series. It's only like 100 sermons. So, um, but what he's trying to say is, there's this group in Corinth who's saying, hey, if you want to be mature, you've got to have this super spiritual knowledge. And he's saying, no, the mature are those who believe in the cross of Christ, have received the cross of Christ. The blood of Christ has covered them. That's who I'm speaking to. That's us. If you've received Jesus, the one who leads your life and forgives your sins. And he's saying, not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Every age has rulers of the age, philosophers, teachers, leaders. I, I, I dare say in our culture that entertainment is a ruler of this age. I mean, I, why, why do I really care? Why do I really care who Kim Kardashian is voting for? I mean, really, why should her voice have any influence on my life? But it's incredible how... Someone who, I don't even know what she does, really, uh, how she got to be famous. But she is. And as a result, now she has a voice. I don't dislike her. I don't even know her. I'm just saying, we have rulers of this age, which we think are communicating some sort of wisdom to us. He says, no, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. We need to receive the wisdom of God, that God revealed through us by His Spirit the cross of Christ, that God came in human flesh and died on the cross for our sins. We need to receive God's wisdom. Leads me to the second point. When we do, we need to render ourselves to the Spirit's power. So we receive God's wisdom, which, by the way, can only be shown to us by the Spirit of God. And once we do, we receive Jesus Christ. We now give ourselves to the Spirit's power that is at work in our lives. Starting in verse 10, at the end of verse 10, he says this, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. That way we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. Paul is trying to tell us that the Holy Spirit guides us into spiritual truth. The only way, I, I, <clears throat> I've said this many times, but the only way you can receive spiritual truth is by the Spirit of God 
uncovering it or revealing it to you. Paul uses the picture of your thoughts. Now, I know we've all said to someone or had someone say to us something of the following. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. If you're married, you know you've had someone tell you, I know what you're thinking or have told someone that. But really, they don't know what you're thinking. They're, they're making an assumption based on your past behavioral pattern. No one knows your thoughts unless you share your thoughts with them. And even then, they probably really don't know your thoughts because they're going to filter them through their grid of understanding. Paul says this plainly. You do not know the thoughts of God unless the Spirit of God indwells you. Well, wait a minute. I can assume some things about God because I can study academically His Word. No. You're not going to know it unless the Spirit of God uncovers it for you. Now, I'm all, in fa- I, I, I'm a firm believer. We're reading the Bible through here. I believe in studying the Word of God. I believe in delving into the Word of God. But unless God uncovers it for us and He reveals it to us, we won't know it. There's a negative side here. The negative is that we don't know God's plan apart from the Spirit. So if God's at work and we want to join in with Him, the only, we can't know God's plan apart from the Spirit. But here's the really unbelievable news. The positive side of this statement is that we can know God's plan because God's Spirit indwells us. Now, for us, that should cause us to want to jump up and shout and scream and say, this is unbelievable. I can know the plan of God because God has chosen to reveal it to me by His Spirit. He leads us to know Him intimately. You see, for many of us, even in the Christian church, we look at the Spirit as some sort of external force. We even sing along, come Holy Spirit, come like the dawn which is a great song. It's true. But at the same time, we've got to grab hold of the truth that the Spirit of God is already here because He's in each and every one of us. He's here because we're followers of Jesus Christ. His Spirit indwells us. What do we need to do then? If the the Spirit of God indwells you, I know I'm getting foundational here, but this is really important. I need to give myself to the Spirit's power who's already in me. I need to receive God's wisdom and render myself as an instrument of righteousness. Right? Isn't that what it says in Romans? Living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It's your reasonable act of service. Render yourself. Give yourself to the Spirit's power that's within you. Third point is this. Resist the temptation to walk in your natural strength. The man without the Spirit does not accept. I'm in verse 14 right now. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. 
For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. At some point this week, probably some point this morning, you were faced with the choice of whether to walk in your natural wisdom or the power and strength of God. If you think back about it, you can probably think of incidents in your life. For me, they usually have something to do with um, my own pride. You know what I mean? When someone says something to me and something rises up within me and says, you're not going to get away with that. Then the natural me starts to come out again. Now, I've spent years trying to tame the natural me so that it is not quite as ugly as it used to be. Uh, I'm a total failure, really, but um, when it comes to this, my tongue is too sharp, it's too quick. I think I'm hysterical. Um, and, and so it's, you know, it, but when it starts to come out, and you're like me, different but like, at some point the natural you is going to try and just raise its head again. We need to resist that temptation that's constantly before us to walk in our natural strength. Who do, who do people say that I am? I mean, Jesus quoting. Who do people say that I am? Oh, people say you're a prophet, you're this, John the Baptist, you're Elijah, you're this, you're that. Who do you say that I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter, you're blessed. On this rock, I'm going to build my church. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but it's been revealed to you by my Father who is in heaven. You see, there's that natural that says, I'm going to look at events and I'm going to interpret them through my grid and I'm going to see what's going on and I'm going to come to some conclusions based on my experience and my assumptions, my intellect, all of those kind of things. But I have the choice now to walk by the power of the Spirit who indwells me that God will reveal to me things that I don't know and never could know apart from the Spirit of God uncovering them for me. When you resist the temptation to walk in your natural strength and you're, you've received the Spirit of God and you've rendered yourself to the Spirit's power that's indwelling you, you're in a position to hear from God by the power of the Spirit. Here's, here's the problem for many of us. We simply do not know who we are. Arthur Schopenhauer was a famous 19th century philosopher, and he was a pessimist. He would also often dress like a bum and sit in the parks in Berlin to just kind of contemplate and think. And one day he was dressed in this attire, sitting on a bench, and a police officer goes up to him and says, Hey, who do you think you are? And Schopenhauer responds, oh, I wish to God I knew. It's that philosophical, I just don't know who I am. Many of us don't know who we are in Christ. Because when we rely on our natural strength, let me give you a hint here. There are only two channels, so to speak, 
you know, I, I just changed my TV provider um, because every two years I have to change because it's the best deal, you know. You know what I mean? I have to change every two years to get the best deal. Well, at least I do. You may be brighter than me. But anyway, I got like a billion channels coming into my house. I, I don't even want them. I don't want all these, I, you know, ESPN at my house and then one or two others, news channels, weather. That's about all I need anymore as I get older. Because, you know, Weather Channel, it's just like MTV for old people. You just kind of watch the Weather Channel. You're not even watching anything. You're just, I'm never going to Canada, but, man, I'm so glad the weather there is really doing good. Where was I? Oh, there are really only two channels. There's God's channel, and I'm going to just say it, there's the enemy's channel of which your natural strength is right here. Because you have no power to stand against the deceiver, the liar, the accuser. So every moment of every day, you're faced with these choices. What channel am I going to tune into? Natural strength, which sounds pretty appealing, doesn't it? Let me tell you, you're on the wrong channel. Because the enemy will lie to you about what's going on around you. Or God's channel. Now, I've said this many times, but I just want to reiterate because i got to tell you, even in the past 48 hours, I've failed in this channel selection process numerous times. It is a constant choice. Where am I going to tune into? Now, you may be asking yourself, how do I do this? Here's what Paul, I believe, is trying to say in uh, 1 Corinthians 2. The Spirit of God indwells those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. And we have received the Spirit's power. If we'll give ourselves to that, His presence in our lives rather than depend on our natural strength. And he comes to the conclusion that, that not only that, but you no longer have your own mind. You're out of your mind because you have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? It is by the Spirit of God. Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. Spirit of God indwells us, gives us the mind of Christ. And we've already seen it this morning. I know I'm, this is a circular argument. Jesus only did what? What the Father told him to do. He only did what he saw the Father doing. How did he do that? By the Spirit of God. We have this same mind of Christ because we have the Spirit of God indwelling us, which leads me to these key kind of what I see as practical points for walking this out. Uh, when I was in seminary, I had a professor, his, his name was Dr. T.W. Hunt. Uh, Dr. Hunt was, he seemed old then. Uh, it was a long time ago, you know, I was at seminary in the early 80s, so we're talking 30-something years ago now. Dr. Hunt died two years ago at the age of 85. So I started, think, I started thinking about this. Man, Dr. Hunt seemed really old when I was there. Wait a minute. Dr. Hunt's the same age I am now. Uh, so he didn't seem near as old as he, he did then. Um, anyway, Dr. Hunt died a couple of years ago. Dr. Hunt was very unusual in the sense that he was a deeply, deeply spiritual man in the music department at our school. Not to say the other professors weren't spiritual, but he just walked different. He was just, it was incredible. You just, he wasn't. I, I don't 
To me, he wasn't a great teacher, but you just caught something by being in his presence. You ever been around people like that? You just catch something different? He was unusual in the sense of when we came into class on the first day, he, his first act would he, he'd hand out three-by-five cards to everybody in the class, and he would say, put down your name and something you want prayer for this semester. You know, I put something nominal down. And then he took him up and he said, I'm going to pray for these every day. Every day. I'd see Dr. Hunt in the hallway and he'd go, hey, Bart, how's... I can't even remember what my prayer request was. He'd ask me about my prayer request. How's it going? And, you know, at those times, I'm like, man, I wish I'd put something better down. <laughs> He's praying for this every day. I mean, he just talked at a whole different level. My friends and I, we weren't really walking in the power of the Spirit at that time in my life. And actually, we called, uh, I took this class from Dr. Hunt called The Mind of Christ. And it was just so, we called it elementary mysticism uh, because we didn't understand what he was saying half the time. But it was really beautiful. He later joined up with a person and wrote a book on the mind of Christ. And it's based on this passage in Corinthians that we're looking at. We have the mind of Christ. And, uh, by the way, Philippians 2, which you read yesterday, that says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And, and in this context, understanding that the Spirit of God has given you, you have the mind of Christ because of the Spirit of God that indwells you, Look at what you've received, according to some scripture passages. The mind you have received, it is alive. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is what? Natural. Natural walking is going to lead you to death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is it's life. Choose you this death life, death life. Natural death, sinful. Spirit leads to life. I'm not going to comment much on each every one of these, but they're, they're really good. I put them in your bulletin with the, the reference so that you can look them up later. It is peaceful. He goes on and but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Okay, I am going to comment. <clears throat> if, this can be a clue for us, if we're not walking in life-giving relationships and our whole life is non-peaceful, you understand where I'm headed? The conclusion I would draw is I'm walking in my natural rather than walking in the, because the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. And I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm just saying break free here and allow yourself to walk in the mind controlled by the Spirit. It is also single-minded. Well, that seems kind of a redundant statement. A mind is single-minded, but you can be a double-minded man. He goes on and says in 2 Corinthians eleven three, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the servant's, serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your, and hear the words, sincere and pure devotion to Christ. By that he means single-mindedness. 
If you're devoted to anything else, you're double-minded. But with the mind of Christ, that gives you the ability to stay on focus and to stay single-minded. It's also a mind that, that rises. It, it, it's not proud. It's lowly or humble. He says, let nothing be done in Philippians 2. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness, lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. With humility, have this mind which was also in Christ Jesus. This mind is in you. It's, it's humble. It's sacrificing. It is pure. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. But the mind of Christ is pure. It is also sensitive and responsive. Luke 24 says, Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scripture. They heard it. They, whoa. They understood it. Now they're going to respond to it. Okay, that's the mind we have received. It's alive. It's peaceful. It's, it's focused. It's single-minded. It's humble. It's pure. How, how do we walk in this? So this is the part I really wanted to get to and the three and a half minutes I have remaining. How do, we, how do we walk in this on a regular basis? Because this is where I keep falling down myself. How do I stay on track here so that I, I, I listen to the voice of God? I hear the Spirit. The Spirit is at work within me. And I believe the Bible gives us some direction here. And here are the three principles. Again, I'm borrowing this from Dr. Hunt's book, uh, called the mind of Christ, but I, I, I love these principles. The first is the will principle. The will principle. Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So there is a, there's an act you can do by your will that says, I choose to set my mind here. Just as I choose which channel I'm going to turn into, I choose to to turn into God's channel. I'm going to set my mind. Now, this is where a lot of us fail. We just happen to be on this channel. <laughs> and so, that's what, you know, the natural is called natural because it's so natural. I mean, it's just what we do. It's our default setting. It's like you turn your TV. Have you ever been in a hotel and they have TVs in the hotel? And every time you turn the hotel TV off and turn it back on, it's always on the hotel channel, you know, the ad channel for the hotels where they're wanting you to buy their movies or whatever. That's like us. Our default setting, if we're not careful, is the natural. We, we, we need to try and make it over time that our default channel is God's channel. By moment by moment, choosing to set our minds on the things that are, that are above. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Who is destroying and who is taking captive? We are by the power of the Spirit that indwells us. So to me, this indicates there is an act of my will that's engaged in this process that allows me to walk by the power of the Spirit. In other words, it's not just God doing it. 
He wants to do it. He's there to do it. He'll do it if you'll walk in it. Okay. Then there's the river principle. The river principle is this. Understand that we can constantly be allowing the river of God to flow into us. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, I don't want to leave you without hope, making you think every time you turn it, turn it off and on, you're only going to turn into this channel. I, I believe that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind by constantly choosing to set the channel to God's channel. John 7, 38 and 39 says, Whoever believes in me, as the Spirit has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, and I didn't add this phrase, this is actually in the Bible. I'm sorry, I'm like a, a slide behind. By this, he meant the Spirit. The river of God is flowing into you. If we believe in him, if we confess our thirst, he will fill us with his presence. By this, he meant the Spirit. Ephesians 5.13, another passage I don't have up here, says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Really what it's, it's a continual action. Don't be drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Spirit. The river principle, the river of God flowing into us all the time for His life. And then finally, the readiness principle. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Be prepared all the time. At every moment, set your mind. Allow the Spirit of God through the river of life, knowing that he can, you can constantly be filled, and get your minds ready because it's coming again. Things are going to be after you. Here's what I want us to understand in hearing the voice of God this morning, and I hope um, that we, we get our minds around it just a little bit. This, you can receive God's wisdom. It is not for the super spiritual. It is for those who are followers of Jesus Christ. You can receive it. How? By rendering yourself to the Spirit's power that's already at work in your life. And by choosing not to walk in your natural strength. Because we, you, us, we have the mind of Christ. Here's what I'd like to do. I just want to pray for you. And it's not going to be a long prayer. It's just a prayer of faith. That if you would like, you would say, Pastor, I, I want to walk more in the power of the Spirit. I don't want to walk as much as I'm doing in my natural strength. I want to receive the Spirit's power. And I, I want to allow the mind of Christ that I've received to just be at working in my life and my emotions and my being. I need a fresh touch from the Spirit of God. With your, I, I Just stand up and I'm going to pray for you. For those of you who want prayer. If you don't want prayer, don't stand up. But if you want me to pray for you, feel free to stand. 
Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We glory in you. We praise you. Lord, I, I thank you for this passage that says this is who we are. That we, we, don't have to, we don't have to go looking here or there or behind some secret thing for your presence because your promise is that if we were followers of Jesus Christ, we've received the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray this morning that we will walk in what we've received already. In faith, we'll walk it out. That we will understand that we've received. We'll, we'll give ourselves to your power and presence. That we'll choose not to walk in our natural strength. Holy Spirit, come. We say, we know you're here, but at the same time, we welcome you here. We welcome you in our lives to move among us. And there are people here, Lord, today, I know, need a fresh touch from the Spirit of God. So touch us, Holy Spirit, in your grace and in your magnificence. Move in our lives today. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Now just receive in faith what God has done in you. Receive his power, his presence. In faith, receive it. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living. Your presence. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. Comes free, my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come fly. the front. I'm going to put them on these steps. And what I would like for you to do, and uh, you may have come prepared to give money, or you may not have. But what I'd like for you to do is just on the card that's in your bulletin, if you, did, if you don't have finances that you want to give to the Lord this morning, that's fine. I, I don't want to manipulate in any way you financially. But what I would like for you to do is just as an act of worship, to say, I want to choose by the power of God to walk in the Spirit's strength by my... I'm just dedicating myself again to the Lord today. 
Because the enemy's going to attack you as soon as you leave this place and try to get you to not do these things because he doesn't want you to hear the voice of God. He doesn't want God's plan being uncovered for this world. And so just as an act of dedication, I'm going to ask you to come to the front and if you just got your prayer card, your connection card, just put your name on it. If that's all you want to do this morning as an act of dedication to drop it in the offering plate, just put your name. If you've got a prayer request, if you're new to fullness, we'd like to have a little more information, but that's okay. But just as an act of worship, just drop your offering in the plate or your card. Does this make sense? So as, as Mitch sings, uh, as Taryn sings this over us, uh, then uh, just offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Bring your card, your offering, whatever it is that God directs you to the front.